The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Allons-y. I'm sorry. It's French. Well, let's go. This is the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. On this podcast we travel all of time and space discussing Doctor Who in a completely random order. It's a brilliant idea. It's so simple only you could have thought of it. Oh. I'm the Doctor. These are my new best friends. It's the entire universe on Shuffle with your hosts. Eric Goldbranson. Asad Heshke. And Matthew Kressel. I'm the Doctor, and if there's one thing I can do, it's talk. There's something you better understand about me, because it's important. And one day, your life may depend on it. I am definitely a mad man with a box. Well, now we're getting somewhere. More like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Police Box of the Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Goldbranson, and with me, as always, my traveling partner in the TARDIS, Mr. Asad Keski. How's Hello. it going tonight, Asad? Pretty good. good. All is well. It's always good yes. to hear. Um, Just enjoying the weird uh, temperature changes this time of year. We have, we have a frost <laughs> frost warning for tonight, and it's supposed to be in the 70s tomorrow, so... Yeah, we'll that's kind of what we had. It was like almost 80 uh, yesterday, and then um, nice but temperate, like high 60s this afternoon, and then we're going to have like cold, like frost warning. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the weather is very similar. Yeah. yeah, up and down. So they that's what they <laughs> so reassuringly call a pneumonia front, I guess I heard on the weather today. So it's like, oh, that's nice. So everyone's going to be sick. That's yes. just what we need the last week, you know, when, when I have kindergartners in the last week of school. <laughs> oh boy. So, yeah, hopefully that's, uh, we can get through, but yeah. So what is, um, what's been going on with you? I see, uh, we were, we were just talking before we started recording, but I know I see you're, uh, you're doing a play right now. Is there anything that, uh. You want to plug, although it'll be it'll probably be long over by the time I get this put yeah. together. But. No, uh, just show it at a community theater. It's nice to be doing that uh, again after the long uh, plague years. Um, and yeah, it's uh, now that we've actually started, uh, rather than rehearsing, it's a reminder of why I enjoy the stuff. Because when you're rehearsing it for... You hit a point sometimes in the middle where it's like, why am I doing this? I'm not even getting paid for this. <laughs> like, yeah. But, it's, uh, yeah, once you actually start and then it's like, oh, okay, this is why we do it. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Everything like that. And, and I've not done a whole lot of work on stage, but and my background is a, like a, a filmmaker and film school and everything that just... Uh, and then making some films as a young adult out of school where, yeah, I was like, everyone's volunteered. No one's getting paid for this, but we're putting in these like 12, 15 hour days, you know, our whole, given our whole weekend up to try and get this thing shot. Right. It's like, why, what are we doing this? And then once it all comes together and you see it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This was really fun, but there's some (laughs) points where, yeah, I I get what you're saying. So I would like to do some, uh, video slash film work a little so I'll just need to keep my eyes open and take a little more time to actually audition and stuff like that. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's, you know, um, I feel like there's always somebody out there looking for actors. If you're, if you're willing to volunteer your time, they're almost always willing to have you. So it's right. like, yeah. yeah. Also, depending on what their casting requirements are. Community theater right, is a little right. more... Uh, 
or a lot of them anyway, are a little more relaxed about uh, those criteria. Uh, yeah. But yeah. movies, they're usually, uh, even am- amateur movies, they're a little more try to keep to what what they visualized in terms of what the character should be looking like or sounding like and all that. So, which is fair. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, depending on what it is. I feel like there's, there's certain characters, if, you know, that you don't need to have such stringent, like... Right you know yeah, have yeah. to be a certain type of person that can really be anybody but yeah yeah, yeah i'm surprised yeah. there aren't more small independent film projects happening around the cleveland areas but i'm also surprised there aren't more conventions i mean it's a reasonably sized city but yeah we're yeah quite underrepresented in terms of uh, local conventions and all yeah i'm surprised there's not a you know some bigger conventions or just like just because of the size of the city there's not something you know yeah some yeah. kind of doctor who or or just general sci-fi event even that's not like i don't know if you guys get like the traveling like wizard world or the giant like yeah things we, through we get to the fan expo do, but, um yeah. and there is one local convention that's uh well i went on hiatus for three years it came back this year but i was uh, out of the country so i wasn't able to attend it it's fun mm-hmm. um i may get more involved uh, with that um, Cleveland concoction. Um, so, yeah, my, yeah, it's still still growing, still growing. Yeah. Maybe after some years we'll become like a convergence or something. But <laughs> <laughs> still a ways to go. Yeah. Well. But, but there's people have, they're enthusiastic there's about it, and yeah, like I said, I should I should get more involved myself. So. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those things that I'd love to be more involved with that, but it's like how many, <laughs> how right. many things can I juggle, you know? So, but um, yeah, it's uh, I guess before we dive in and talk about the uh, the book we read for the for the show, um, wanted to take a few minutes and talk about kind of news and uh, and trailers that we have mm. now for new Doctor Who coming this fall, which. Um, Basically, it's a series of micro teasers that all all together make up a minute long trailer. But right. <laughs> but hey, we'll we'll take it. It's enough to start getting excited. So yeah, yeah. Um, we've got titles. So <laughs> yeah, titles, and uh, I don't think we know a whole lot more about anything no, except that no. that one is literally the Star Beast, which we figured it would be, being that we've caught glimpses of uh, you know, right. the Meep and uh, the yeah yeah uh, whatever I forget. Forgetting what the the um, other race of creatures that are after him are right. called, but um, yeah, but yeah, so that's exciting. That's a story that uh, you know, famous comic strip story that um, is getting a an adaptation. Yeah, so I mean, and obviously they'll I guess expand it, and they have to put in Donna and all the other yeah. stuff. So. Yeah. It's it's worked well for the t- couple times they've adapted, or is it even a couple times? Maybe it was just human nature, but um, when they adapted from from the novel, right? Um, yeah, man. I don't think they've done an ad- adaption of a comic strip story before, but I think it. No. I think it'll work. I think that's oh, yeah, an no. interesting story. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. So yeah, it should work, especially with the the additional stuff that they'll be putting in and yeah i don't know if it's going to be like uh, one is it going to be like one long story with the three specials or how closely tied together are they gonna be um so. yeah and, 
and this could just totally be my imagination. I don't know if I have any like actual information to substantiate it, but I was kind of thinking that it was like a micro series setup where it's just going to be like one week, the next week, the next week. Um, and then it's going to leave us at a cliffhanger until they start the, the real series the right. fo- early the following <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if I read about how they'll be spaced out. So, yeah, um. I would actually be okay with it being a little further apart. Cause I think that means we'd get one a little right. bit sooner, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see. Yeah. And, um, uh, and we've got, uh, set pictures for the 15th doctor and some, lovely costumes yeah. <laughs> so the co- they're already like <laughs> they're impressing sharp. me with the costuming yeah, yeah the costuming <laughs> pretty much every time i see set pictures i'm like wow production design and like they're taking some of this disney money no not i know they're not really getting money from disney that's not the way it goes but still like they're making it work that's uh <laughs> yeah yeah so there's a lot of uh yeah the conventions are going to be much more uh colorful <laughs> yeah coming up <laughs> yeah, I, I like that it looks, and this is obviously just based on a couple of stills, so take it or leave it for whatever it's worth, but it looks like um, it's not just trying to be like Russell Davies era 2.0. It looks like it's coming in with a fresh, yeah, um, which which is good. I mean, yeah. even though it is technically Russell Davies 2.0, um, it, it, I didn't think for a second that he would just retread his steps. He's He's not that kind of a writer and not that kind of a uh, right, artist, right. I don't think. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I've I've liked everything I've seen. I mean, and we've seen so little, but you know, yeah, it does a lot to get the imagination going. Yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, several of the guest stars that they've uh, listed so far, but people seem quite excited about it. So that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't think I was myself, familiar but... with. <laughs> any of them honestly but I'm, i mean i'm always happy to i will be now so yes <laughs> like, uh, now i will be able to follow their careers so yes uh, more more yeah, usually this for is chicago tardis <laughs> yeah yeah usually this is the way i find out about like most you know british actors that are in stuff and then i follow them on from doctor who to other right. things so yeah, yeah. um but yeah i think i i'm excited and uh it's really not all that long away. It seemed like it was so far away, and uh, now it's yeah, coming this fall yeah. already. So, and then, um, you know, we've been promised jumping in the next spring to some regular series. That since that supposedly their goal is to get it a little more regular. So, you know, so we're getting one every year or so. Like, yeah, and plus uh, and possible spinoffs. So that'll give us yeah. uh, more Doctor Who content through the year. Yeah, just like the Paramount Plus program of having uh, Star Trek is, shows staggered around, so you've got some Star Trek going on for <laughs> most of the year. Yeah, is your money on uh, there being a unit spinoff? Is that how you think where where they're going? Like, <laughs> uh, it's I guess it's uh, it's a logical. It, there seems to be enough sort of confirmation about mm-hmm. it that it seems pretty like, and it's certainly in terms of concept, it's a pretty easy concept to work on i guess my only issue is that i have the previous experiences of doctor who spinoffs have been eh, i've not (laughs) been super i mean uh, you know the sarah jane adventures it's a sarah jane adventures but it was essentially a children's show i never really saw too much of it um 
And uh, I thought Sarah Jane Adventures out of all of them was the the one that I liked the most, or that was the closest conceptually to Doctor Who, and kind of followed maybe a bit too much at times, but followed its formula a bit and really felt like it belonged in the same universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, Torchwood, Torchwood, I was never, never a really big did. fan. Yeah. yeah, first season I thought was awful. Second season was better. And Children of yeah. Earth just seems like it belongs in a totally different universe. Compared I, I really to like Earth. Children of Earth, but yes, it's it's very very different than anything else. That yeah, yeah. it doesn't seem doc. It doesn't seem like it belongs with Doctor Who at all. So yeah. it really goes all the way into the hole that I don't know. This this thing about the hey, if something is dark, grim, and unremittingly gloomy, then it has to be serious and adult. And Children of Earth really seems to lean into that mm-hmm. very heavily <laughs> yeah kind of how like oh can we make this even darker they, like they're going to take that route yeah. that road every time and uh, they really do it's it's intense but i do think it was probably the best thing they produced under the torchwood moniker it just doesn't feel like it's yeah. i, I yeah. never saw i have yet to see miracle day so i can't comment on that <laughs> i saw it and yeah it's it's rough. It's a bit rough. It, it doesn't have it. It doesn't have no redeeming qualities. If you have, you know, you have time, maybe seek it out yeah. someday. But yeah. yeah, set your expectations appropriately. <laughs> it's an American-made version of Torchwood. So. Yeah. Class also, I never saw, and especially once it got canceled on a cliffhanger, I couldn't see the point of going <laughs> back to watch it. So, class was okay. Although this big finish, I guess. Good. Yeah. <laughs> watch it and move on to the big finish continuation i've never gone back and watched it again i feel like maybe it maybe it will be better revisiting it again Mm -hmm. like i don't know but yeah it was fine but so hopefully they can get a really like really intriguing spinoff made (laughs) Uh, yeah that would it would be nice we'll see (laughs) yeah so anything else that uh Doctor Who related or um, or otherwise that you've seen or been doing over the past month or so that uh I don't know non Doctor Who related I uh, highly recommend the Dungeons and Dragons movie to everyone um, super fun one of the most just most just fun movies that I've seen in a very long time <laughs> uh, yeah and I was telling you before we started recording, but I'm I, I'm currently watching it, yeah. which I do these days. You know, I'm having kids and schedules and all that stuff. Like, I got about halfway through it before I had to get up and do something today, and I'll probably finish it tomorrow. But I, unless it it dramatically changes trajectory, I agree, it's a lot of fun, and I've been enjoying it so far. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, in terms of self indulgence, that uh, uh, some of those big chief. Uh, High quality, large, um, well, they're, they're toys, action figures, but collectibles mm-hmm. seem to have came back onto the market. So picked up a couple of those. Oh yeah, um, nice. So yeah, um, and uh, yeah, Strange New World season two is starting in June. Uh, right. S- Spider Man, the sequel to Into the Spider Verse, also in June. So. Looking forward to June. <laughs> yeah, June should be good. I think uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the Spider-Man movie as well. So, uh, yeah, Doctor Who yeah, wise, I, I'm not haven't really seen. There's no comic at the moment. Um, no monthly comic coming out at the moment. 
so yeah there's not much going on it's kind of an i think it's in full shifting right now full, right you know in, into the new yeah. new era so and so yes yeah, and send uh, some interesting stuff coming out look interesting looking stuff coming out from big finish that i have not checked out <laughs> yet so. yeah yeah well they have their big uh 60th anniversary yeah. <laughs> um series that is just starting i think the first chapter of that or whatever has been released now yeah so. So. and it's counting down to the anniversary here so right and i think that the first one's a fourth doctor story with you know with mr tom baker so yeah uh, yeah and uh yeah supposedly and uh new unit so yep yep let's see yeah, hopefully the if there is a unit spin-off, I think I may have said this last month as well that uh, hopefully they'll uh, bring in like uh, Osgood and maybe even some of the characters from the audios. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah, so. I hope so. I, I I think I feel like that's a a good group. Like that's uh, interesting characters that work well together. Like I like the the big finish unit yeah. group. So like to see them that would be a good spinoff i think yeah i'm rupert booth i am known as paul ferry and my name is barry williams together we host time ram time ram's a cruel mistress it's a random number generator that also we roll a number from 1 to 30 and that's our doctor then 1 to 300 for the story and then we ram them together even if it doesn't make sense Cruel, I tell you. Time round, putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard. Are you ready to travel through time with us? Then check out Traveling the Vortex, a Doctor Who podcast. For nearly seven years and more than 500 episodes, we've traveled from one end of the vortex to the other, making different stops with different doctors, reviewing everything from TV stories to audio plays, from books to comics, and more. Sean, Keith, and Glenn take you on a journey through 50-plus years of Doctor Who episodes and spinoff materials. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, so be sure to check us out. And now, we're a proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. You're listening to Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. I suppose uh should dive into talking about this book. Um, and that book that is the one that we read for this month is the uh, second time that we've covered a uh, entry in the Black Archive series. And this is uh, from Obverse Books. This is volume number 24, The Time Warrior by Matthew Kilburn. It was published in October of 2018. And is, uh, yeah, if you're not familiar with what the Black Archive series is... Uh, it, it is a series of books that um, it analyzes one single Doctor Who story. So it's an entire book about the, the story, The Time Warrior. Uh, in a previous episode, we had covered the Black Archive book on the um, Matt Smith debut episode, The Eleventh Hour, which is a, a book I think we both uh, enjoyed quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, so this is our, our second uh, dipping of the proverbial toe into the Black Archive series. And, um, yeah, I feel like this was a, uh, little bit different, different experience here. A book by, uh, um, a historian, Matthew Kilburn is a, by, by, uh, by trade and historian and has done some extensive writing, um, outside of the realms of Doctor Who. And, uh, 
also is the was the editor of the Oxford fanzine uh, The Tides of Time. So Oxford University apparently has a Doctor Who fan magazine. I uh, was not aware of this until reading his about the author in the back of the book, but he was the editor of that for many years. So uh, which is which is cool. I'm <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's uh it is comparatively to the other uh, Black Archive book, at least in my opinion, I feel like this was a very different read. This is a very very historical, very um, academic yeah, type so approach to scholarly. an analysis of, <laughs> yes, to the to the Time Warrior. Um, I still feel like it, it was well written. It, mm-hmm. It's very, it's readable, it's accessible enough, but yeah, he's, uh, he's very, um, He's much more interested in instead of you know kind of analyzing the the show and what was going on on the show at the time, more tying it back to its uh, roots in in literature and um, uh, British culture, especially post World War II. Um, yeah, he kind of, he kind of really like grounds what you know the Time Warrior in what's going on not only at the time but also the influences throughout throughout the history all the way back to like um you know uh 18th century like gothic literature and stuff so right um um any any general thoughts before we dive in i kind of i I took some notes and kind of divided it up by chapters because he 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 does have a nice structure to the book where he kind of talks about one topic and then moves on to to another and i figured we'd kind of attack it that way if uh see where we uh where we get but did you have any general thoughts on the book first before we i don't i think pretty much uh, what you said uh, covers it pretty well um that yeah it's a very sort of academic and uh, scholarly work um well written um but it does take a little uh once i actually started reading it i did think i should have given myself more time to read it because yeah uh, to be able yeah to me too <laughs> really uh, and i ended up make more notes go, doing and, a yeah, it would have benefited from uh, another reading, which I did not get around to doing. So. <laughs> yeah, I went back through and did a really quick like flip through, and you know, just kind of took added to a couple of the notes I took the first time through, and um, yeah, it it's it is uh, this this is gonna sound like more of a criticism than I mean it, I think, but for. It being about an episode that I feel like is a a lot of fun. (laughs) The Time Warrior is a very fun episode. Uh, This book is not necessarily... It doesn't necessarily reflect that part of the the show. Like, it's not... um, It sounds so mean to say it's not a lot of fun. Because I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. I I did. And I appreciate it. uh, Maybe appreciate it more than enjoyed. But it's... uh, um, Yeah, it it was interesting. Because I was kind of thinking I was going to romp through it the way we did with the 11th hour, which is another episode that's just a lot of fun, yep, you know, just yeah, kind of, yeah, no, uh, just... and the book kind of reflected that. And this, this, um, this took a different approach. Yeah. yeah I guess is what, what I'm trying to say. Cause, um, it's definitely a drier but... text. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Kilburn opens up the, the book with, uh, in chapter one with talking about Robert Holmes and, and kind of Britain at war, um, World War Two and also the conflict in in Korea, which I believe Robert Holmes actually served in um, when he did served in the military, and it's kind of it's it's ties thematically to 
to not only this story, but Robert Holmes writing for, for Doctor Who yeah. in general. Um, and that he brings a lot of stuff to this that is uh, possibly tied to some of his experiences or just the general national experiences of, of those wars in, uh, in the East. And um, the influence of the... He makes some comments. He doesn't. He doesn't right out say that the design or the original concept concept of what the Santaran warrior might look like uh, is is you know a kind of an interpretation of, of a racial interpretation of an Eastern looking person. But right. um, he definitely hints hints that 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 might be something yeah. that is uh, in the subtext. And um, but he does talk a little more about the influence of the Santaran armor. And that it coming from an east, an eastern kind of like um, it, he compared it to the like eastern shogun knights and and such that it had a, and this is this is all coming from Robert Holmes, uh, not ex- not necessarily what showed up on screen, uh, <laughs> coming from Robert Holmes' early descriptions, because I don't think that's true necessarily of what we got at the end of the day. Not <laughs> so much now. As the Santaran <laughs> now, but the way he actually described it in his early drafts of the of the script, so. Um, yeah, what you said about yeah, so... I think that was one element where maybe I disagreed because he pointed out that both with the Santarans and the Ogrons that just by virtue of their, I guess, darker and swarthier skin coloration, whether there was some sort of uh, racial aspect to it, which I, I think might be overanalyzing I, a little much. <laughs> I kind of think so too, and and, and I'm going to object just like, kind of the tone of a lot of Robert Holmes other writing where he makes I don't know he makes criticisms and stuff about you know racial discrimination he makes criticisms about you know those kind of um, differences in society class structure and he just seems to be a very socially conscious writer yeah although it's, it's... hard to, for me to believe it and not impossible but right. it's hard for me to believe that he's you know making racist caricatures right. <laughs> in in the midst of having these discussions about these other things. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but... Well, I mean, it has to be I maybe sort of balanced out against the fact that people now have so many. And I don't know how much... I would need to probably read more about it, that how much of it is issues with the casting. Like, people have so many issues now with the talents of Wang Chang, basically, is what I was saying. And I don't know how yeah, much of it is yeah. related to just uh, the casting of, uh, you know, just of having a Caucasian actor, essentially, in yeah. yellow face, that is that, or is are there more elements of the story that people have found, find objectionable now? Um, I mean, yeah, I've... usually in reference to that story, it's the, it's the unfortunate choice <laughs> to yeah. have a white actor play. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know the, what the logistics were of the time, since obviously yeah. they found a Chinese actress for the mind of evil but it helped that she was married to the writer of the episode so <laughs> yeah. there is convenience there for sure <laughs> yeah. and i, I uh, think i've i found myself thinking that um, they missed an opportunity in uh, talents of wang chang that while uh, i like jago and lightfoot i think maybe if they had had replaced one of them with a chinese positive with a sympathetic chinese character that might have helped yeah. with the uh, the way the story is yeah. looked at now, but well, that is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, and so yeah, that that's essentially the the point you brought up is what I was gonna say about um, you know, feeling like that the 
Santarans were some kind of a, a caricature. Um, I I don't I don't really buy that. I I don't have any evidence to say that I'm. <laughs> You know, right. one way or the other, right. and and honestly, my 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 entire the entirety of my understanding of Robert Holmes' writing process on this came out of this book. So <laughs> that's uh, that's my only source. So I won't dive too much into it. And I'm sure um, Matthew Kilburn did a, did extensive research right. oh. uh, on it. So um, um, I do feel like his 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 tapping into like the the what Holmes is interested in, in some of the, a lot of his writing, uh, class struggle, um, and the, you know, um, the way that kind of, it turns up here and, uh, Matthew Kilburn uses it very, very much in quotes as, uh, you know, uh, cause it's a dero- very derogatory term, but he uses the, the, the phrase, you know, the, the bunch of gooks yeah. line that, and it, I, I don't even really like saying that, but, right. um, it's, uh, but, he uh, kind of talks how the um, the bad guys, I guess, for lack of a better term, like Iron Gron's, you know, castle full of you know miscreants right. and, and such, are kind of cast in in this version of Robert Holmes' uh, story because he kind of he, he and he he's not wrong, but he kind of shows shows very briefly that Robert Holmes has, certainly has an archetype to the types of stories he likes to tell and they do all have that look, you know, some right. similarities. But kind of Iron Grounds people are kind of play the role of the the other in this and then and so it's not a hundred really all about skin color or uh racial background, but there's something um So was that a line that was in the episode itself? No, no no no. Okay. No, it's something that he he um mentions as uh i i think it came from i should have written down a page number here but it's in the first chapter yeah it's uh um, i'm looking at it on my kindle so i, I don't know if it came from a well i know i saw that he actually it's... he refers a lot to like uh i guess since robert holmes was initially novelizing it himself until he gave up and passed it on to terence dick so he's but, <laughs> yeah. so, but he puts a lot of uh, reference to whatever Robert Holmes did write and the where the the introduction to the book which is sort of the report field report yeah from so it is a line from the um, early uh, script so the the original story called uh, for the attention um, links describes iron ground and his band of warriors as as a bunch of gooks okay. is that is a line from the yeah, early an early version okay. of the script did not make it on screen so right. this okay. most of this discussion is about his early draft of this story um in fact uh that's going to be another one of my little gripes about the book is that he talks about for the attention so much that it's almost a review or it's almost a book more about Robert Holmes' early drafts of this story than it is about the actual story that we see on screen by the time it gets there. So, right. um, and things change so much between the th- early drafts and through later. the lens of a historian. I suppose that's kind of the way the way they work, <laughs> right? <That's, laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean that that's essentially chapter one's the brief chapter, and that's kind of what he goes through is is Robert Holmes. Robert, you know the things that Robert Holmes is interested in writing, and kind of how we see the evolution from that early draft to right. the to what we get as the Time Warrior. I will um, say that I disagree. He's uh, he's critical of the uh, 
uh, some somewhat critical of the direction of this episode and i would that's another place i would have to disagree with him that yeah he says it's yeah I, he says it's kind of like standard yeah. and, and dull so. like <laughs> direction and i never got that from this i always thought this was a really fun yeah no. uh, episode for sure so yeah uh, it, one of my, I think of my first watch through as one of my favorite of the entire Pertwee era at the time. So, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. No, after watching it, it, I definitely had to, and I may have said this before, but I definitely had to add it to my list that if I was to say somebody new who was who had watched New Who, what classic Who should I watch? This would definitely be one of the one of them. Yeah, this one's really fun. Like, and I, and I said I, I said we wouldn't do this, and we'd stick to the book. But I, I'm going to anyway. But yeah, this one's a really fun, uh, yeah, Doctor Who story, yeah. and it's very pacey yeah. for for uh, for the time. Like, it moves very nicely. It's got a nice pace to it. It's got a lot of, you know, actiony stuff in it. A lot yeah. of John Pertwee, Venusian, Aikido going on. Yeah, <laughs> in multiple places. A great sword fight with Pert, you know, John Pertwee in a suit of armor. Yeah, whether he's actually in it the whole time or not, we don't know. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot um, of humor, a lot of uh, a lot of yeah. nice uh, double acts. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, it's a really I, great story. <laughs> I, it's one of my favorite pairings between, even though it's their first time out, between. Um, John and Elizabeth Sladen, yeah. so the third Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith. I think that they're. I mean, I think they're they're great on screen together all the time. But they just had this bu- building that relationship. It's really it's done re- really really nicely here, where she thinks the Doctor is kind of the yeah. villain at yeah. first, yeah. and yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So yeah, um, even like the minor secondary character, like Rubish, Rubish, Rumish, Rubish. Yeah, Rubish comes across yep. uh, pretty. Kind of sounds well. like Doctor Rubbish, yeah. you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess you might initially. Yeah, I think, and this uh, Matthew Kilburn also mentions that you'd probably think that he's going to be some sort of like a foil to the Doctor. Instead, he turns out to be a strong ally. You know, one of those yeah. semi companions that you might almost expect to see him again in a future story. But of course, he doesn't. But. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's he's a fun character, and 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 yeah, and Kilburn points that out as well that uh, he starts off being kind of a buffoon, and but at, proves his worth by the end of it, and he's yeah. a very a good ally. So, um, yes, yeah, I think that's yeah. and I always kind of enjoy. I have to say, I always kind of enjoy in any show when some secondary characters become sort of important and. <laughs> Yeah, I I think in long-running episodic television, you absolutely have to have good short-term characters like that, like people that are interesting to watch, because otherwise I think you just end up, you know, I think you get caught in a trap of writing the same story around your your leads. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. If anything, I think that sometimes that's a problem with the newer television, that maybe sometimes the lead characters are just too right too of even the doctor now has become mm-hmm. you know almost godlike at times in his <laughs> or her uh yeah uh, yeah and has to be you know like infallibility I, they, yeah the doctor has to be on screen you know 80 percent of the episode or we're or we're all grumbling about it and you know um oh that's not entirely true they have the doctor light episodes yeah. and, and such so but yeah so in uh, chapter two of the book, he dives into a, what I, I think I mentioned briefly, but the um, connections of the story, the Time Warrior to um, 
like uh, 18th century like gothic literature of uh, specifically he cites the castle of oronto by uh, sir robert Wal- walpole yeah that um, was interesting that was an interesting section for sure and i have never read this novel but i've come across the name of it many times and it's always in reference to um it being like the the thing that kind of kick-started the the trend of gothic literature that led led us to everything from Sherlock Holmes to the writings of Poe and then to the modern you know modern horror and suspense and all you know stuff like that. Right. Um, so that that novel often gets pointed to as one of the uh, sources of, yeah. of all of that kind of writing. I I don't see a whole lot of. Um, I think a lot of people when they hear the, the you know gothic they think of what we think of in you know in modern terms like <laughs> dark black kind of like right. you know every a Tim Burton movie I don't know <laughs> like things like um, and I don't think that's necessarily like traditionally what it what it really meant it was more of a I feel like a certain type of story and um, usually with marks of, uh, you know, there'd be some darker themes. Right. There would be possibly murder or the threat of death. And um, there would be, uh, but they almost always centered around discovering something about oneself or one's family that was like a hidden secret. And um, he also points out later on that, you know, it was kind of the Gothic tradition that gave rise to there being um, female her- heroines in, in stories, like even... Um, back into the the 18th and 19th and the 18th century um that's i don't want to don't want to stretch my credibility because i do not have a lot of knowledge here that's just kind of my understanding of um of that and and his his ties to this is he kind of traces this all the way through the british tradition of, of gothic and romantic literature all the way to um the cultural um i don't know if i'd call it an obsession but uh the cultural um with with robin hood as a character and then that story and just how many times that was uh uh recreated and rehashed throughout um throughout history and in fact he points directly to a version of robin hood that was created just a few years prior to this that had been very popular with the bbc and um yeah, right. just no. essentially, he's just kind of walking us through the historical or the the his the uh, historical literature roots of a story like the Time Warrior. Like, where does this come from in the imaginations of the of right. you know of the writers, and why does it appeal to the to the British public at the time? Like, why is this a good story? To, and I think he makes a good case for it. Yeah. Um, well, I th- I feel, and again, this is, and I'm speaking again, not from a point of having much uh, <laughs> knowledge on classification of gothic but at least the way and okay so we're talking about the episode again at least the way that the episode comes across it doesn't have what one at least might even might consider gothic trappings even for the time because i think like you could describe something like say hound of the baskervilles which is out on the moors mm-hmm. as gothic and even here oh, he yeah. mentions yeah. um the Peladon stories, which I would probably also classify as gothic, with all the I agree tunnels yeah. and passages, and uh, but uh, this uh, time warrior is like very bright. Yeah, most of it is and taking in the part in the daytime. Too. It's yeah. not... <laughs> even the yeah, interior it, shots are <laughs> nicely not overlit, but you know they're 
appropriately lit up. Yeah. So, so um... it's subject. <laughs> the subject matter of it is pretty light too. It's played lightly and for laughs. It's kind of theatrical, and it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it never feels too dark and scary at any point. You you could play something set in this, you know, in this setting. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. Know, to be uh, very, you know, dark and threatening, and they they don't really do that. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I kind of by the time I got to the end of chapter two, realized that he, I felt like he was more just kind of like walking us through the roots. Like if you start, you know, kind of like a a tree that you know brings us to. You know something like the Time Warrior, and what why these why these stories are interesting to the modern British audience in you know nineteen seventy. Uh, what I don't even have the year in front of me for Time Warrior. I should know that. Um, is it four? Yeah, three or four, I would think. Nineteen seventy four. It's both. It started on <laughs> December December uh, nineteen seventy three and ended in January of seventy four. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and then it, it, I what I do see if we get past the whole gothic thing and leave that right. behind a little bit, I do see the ties to Robin Hood and especially the um, you know Robin Hood on screen. Right. So you know he's got yeah. they got the costumes that are straight out of he he, he mentions right. not only the BBC production but he mentions Errol Flint the Errol Flint right. films and right. and uh, you know some of that yeah. stuff and I definitely see that the costumes uh, oh yeah hell the archers costume and even what Sarah Jane ends up dressed in and throughout yeah, most yeah. of the episode is kind of straight out of Robin yeah. Hood so. right <laughs> I would I would and uh, yeah if you and if I guess I don't know the BBC Robin Hood from the 50s or 60s or 70s but I know the Errol Flynn one and mm-hmm. as far as Robin Hood goes I would if someone was to say that Robin of Sherwood was gothic, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, but that's my yeah. perspective. You know, tech, I don't know the technicalities of what qualifies as gothic, so I may be completely wrong. I did like uh, this little. <laughs> I did like this little quote he, the, that he said of Robert Holmes, when he, where uh, Robert Holmes said that uh, I have a feeling that Doctor Who was originally developed by Auntie as a format for making history interesting for children. Fortunately, the fantasy side soon took over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says that he was very skeptical of using Doctor Who for its original educational mandate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't think he ever really tries to do so. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the historical sense. No. Like he, he certainly writes as a moralist. Like he, he there will always be a moral of the story with Robert Holmes for sure, but uh I don't think he ever goes for any kind of like literal historical <laughs> teaching moments yeah, that's yeah. Uh, but um yeah so jumping into uh chapter three unless you have a do you have another Um, no i don't think i even made any particular notes about it he does spend some time trying to figure out when the time warrior is set (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah and i think that (laughs) i think you'd probably drive yourself crazy again he historian right so (laughs) um but yeah, I'm not sure it makes. It, I don't have much knowledge about, you know. Right. I, again, I'm I'm coming at this from what he already told me, so that's in the book. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, he. I think he makes a compelling case for that. We have no idea when this really takes place, and that doesn't have a whole lot of real life historical grounding. Right. But. <laughs> yeah. So chapter three, he uh, makes a case about. Um, again, he he's talking a little bit about. 
our main characters kind of their otherness from the uh, the groups of people that they're kind of trapped among and right. and uh, I, I think it's interesting because he compares and contrasts the doctor and 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 links who's the Santaran warrior um, and how they are similar in a lot of ways in the fact that they, and it, in fact I find it very funny and it's one of the charming things about this script is that Lynx is actually in a very similar situation for what the doctor just got himself out of right. being <laughs> you know uh, uh, stuck on earth for, <laughs> for the past three seasons so uh, it um, being stuck in in you know medieval England and um, they're both kind of a, these ambassadors of of futuristic technology stuck in a, in a you know quote-unquote primitive era right and um his yeah just that they in a lot of ways they are this a character with similar in a similar situation with similar means but they have a different approach to how to deal with you know the situation right um yeah, both I mean, of, both of them are perceived as as wizards or sorcerers for because they're uh, <laughs> because of their technology. Yeah. Yeah, but like you said, the Lynx is quite happy to provide any weapons and whatever is needed to achieve his objective. And at the end, he plans to blow everything up anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. His his one and only goal is to get back to the war. Right. So, I mean, yeah, and the doctor, of course, is uh, his relationship with the unit is quite different. Mm-hmm. And then even with the the Lord Edward when he's in the medieval times. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the doctor and and links and I, I'm. I don't think Matthew Kilburn spends any time on this. If he does, it's, it's eluded me. But I, I did watch the show, and I'm going to comment a little bit on that. Uh, but they have a good conversation about, and the Doctor has some lines about, you know, you can't introduce these weapons. It's going to throw off the entire, you know, development of the human race. And Lynx is pretty much like, well, I couldn't care less about any of that. I'm, right. <laughs> I just want to get out of here. Uh, and, yeah, they so, so they have some – they're good um, – they're good counterpoints to one another, and they they make uh, that makes it a very just another thing that makes this a very very interesting, watchable, and great story. Right. Like Doctor Who, I think. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. Having that good rapport with a vi- with his villains is always yeah. Them having a you know philosophical discussion like that, you may not realize they're you know they're having one, but they are. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That's a. Really, all I wrote down about Chapter 3 is just that I, I did find it to be an interesting... The compare and contrast between the yeah. two of them is cool. Um, yeah. I mean, and then, uh, I mean, here's an interesting section about how comparing uh, Lynx's kidnapping of the scientists to the brain drain of British scientists and experts to uh, through the USA. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know if he mentioned this specifically, but I, I I tend to think it's probably in Robert Holmes' imagination that you know st- the stealing of all the world's most talented scientists to come and work, uh, <laughs> to be forced to work as kind of like zombies in this situation. I mean, it would be hard for somebody not to be imagining the Manhattan Project right. and some of the yeah. nuclear <laughs> uh, yeah stuff just being in this is the post World War II era and yeah so. It's, Certainly think that's on the uh, forefront of their 
right. his imagination yeah. <laughs> of that. So, um, yeah, and then so he then he goes on to and writes a, a chapter about uh, about Sarah Jane and this being her first episode, it's appropriate, and how she brings a new a new take, a new old take. I would say I would like to say uh, to the Doctor Who's to the doctor's companion character on the show and she was deliberately cast to be the quote-unquote a new more feminist <laughs> um right. companion as compared with the to um joe grant yeah yes. joe grant leaving <laughs> yeah um and i i think they actually do it really brilliantly it, it is done very well um she never sounds like silly and they never make it a joke like she's making you know legitimate points about you know she starts off with i'm not gonna make your coffee line but i think throughout the show to to the doctor and then especially when she gets into the medieval setting and Mm -hmm. kind of the expectations and the roles that women uh have there she she really does a good job of um of being that and not in a jokey way like she's not always you know just shouting women's lib bumper stickers (laughs) or whatever like um you know she's she's making She's actually like saying things. She gets all the the, the women in the kitchen stirred up, and that's, yeah, yeah, that's a good scene too. And um, yeah, so she, um, I think they do that very well with her. Robert Holmes does it very well. Um, they actually said I don't remember it was Barry Letts that was quoted, but he at some point Kilburn quotes somebody in the book. I should have written this down. Uh, that they were actually kind of used uh, Barbara Wright as an archetype for this character. Okay. And I was like, yeah, right on. Cause that, I've always thought that she was a great, like that, that they, I'm not sure why they steered away from that. And that she was always a, right. You know, yeah. A great I mean, archetype for a companion for. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons I guess why series seven is one of my all time favorites because Liz Shaw is one of my favorite companions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and yeah, Liz was very. It's hard to even. I I wouldn't I wouldn't take the moniker of companion away from her because she's certainly a, a. But she's she's definitely more of a character all in her in her own right, right. and you know. The Doctor's equal in many ways. Yeah, so. yeah. But, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 uh, it's a good step in the right right direction as as Matthew Kilburn points out in the book it's a, it's probably many years too late like they probably should have been doing this right. in, a little earlier but you know um, Sarah Jane becomes such an iconic and and great character but i think this this introduction to her is is i don't know it's re, it's really great she's really a, a well realized character right off the bat yeah. and that's not always the case yeah <laughs> yeah although i guess like i don't know if it's Liz Sladen who they she's who comments that that was probably like uh Rarely was Sarah allowed to be quite so strong and independent <laughs> later <laughs> yeah, as she yeah, was in her first I re- story. <laughs> if I remember properly, uh, like I remember correctly, like it's not like this is probably her best, you know, uh, performance in, in that right. And I think they toned it down and rolled it back. And um, by the time she's in with Tom Baker and what into the, you know, their run together, I think she is unfortunately starting to just play the damsel in distress again right. at times. So, but, but that doesn't that doesn't diminish how good she is yes. here. And uh, yeah, what a good character yeah. and a great a good performance yeah. by Liz Sladen yeah. as well. Yeah, um, this chapter is interesting to. Oh, sorry, you were saying. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying like it points out that the other. Uh, I mean, there aren't many women characters, but the 
ones that are are very strong characters like Lady Eleanor and even the cook in uh, the castle. Um, mm-hmm. They're all very strong uh, characters, dominate dominating characters. So, <laughs> yeah, you would think Lady Eleanor is is the the monarch yeah. or the leader. She's the one that's doling out, you know, yeah. <laughs> the orders and uh, yeah. She's the one that has most of the the dialogue in those in the scenes right. with uh, her and Sir Edward. So, yeah, um, I guess she was supposed to have more, which got cut, which is too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and this is the and I, I I talked to it a little bit when we were talking about Gothic literature, and but he ties it back to that and talking about Sarah Jane Smith being that that Gothic heroine um, that he he also says is probably like the the, the first you know, place in literature that we start to see um, women as ma- the main characters of novels and, the, and, you know, stuff that actually focused on the internal uh, experience of of women and often written by men, unfortunately, <laughs> but not in all cases. <laughs> but but still, a major a major step forward, obviously. And uh, But that the gothic heroine specifically... Um, is is a character he feels like like Sarah Jane Smith of a more feminist nature, somebody that's that's curious, independent, um, takes their takes action right. by themselves rather than waiting for help uh, from somebody else. And I, I think she does. I think it's a really compelling argument that she she does personify all of those things. So yeah, yeah. This is the one element where I will agree with him. If this is what with like what a gothic heroine is, if that's our definition, then I will agree that she is definitely that. Like yeah. I think she has all of those characteristics yes. for sure but um yeah that's uh yeah. i think that the sarah and the doctor and this i think I, we talked about this a little bit earlier but they're they're just a whole lot of fun to watch and i can't believe it's that you know if obviously it's in the story they're just kind of meeting one another but it's hard to believe that uh john pertwee and elizabeth sladen weren't working together for years because right. they just like instantly have a yeah 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 it's very yeah very good so yeah. and i i'll have to i'd have to go back and watch every episode in, in sequence and <laughs> and really tell you I, most people associate sarah jane with tom baker and that's not wrong i think the majority of her episodes were with tom but um i don't know i always kind of looked back fondly on these first few with her and and john pertwee as being some of my favorite episodes of yeah. hers because i do think you know you get a couple episodes into tom baker's run and uh you already have the the process of the it kind of becoming the tom baker show and yeah. i think she gets shoved <laughs> to the background a little bit so he's just such a big personality um yeah there's a little bit more of an ensemble effort here definitely <laughs> yeah so but yeah that's uh I did note Pretty that uh, Matthew Kilburn kind of he noticed the same thing I did, which is that uh, they neglect to. They do have the scene of uh, Iron Grun's uh, thugs uh, being woken up to escape from the castle, but they don't uh, address the, all the kitchen skulls and <laughs> any other person in the castle. Uh, yeah. So. That's... <laughs> the unfortunate um i'm assuming they all made it out i'm, a, the, I'm assuming yeah, they all I, made I it out so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Although, yeah in did. my head canon they all they all evacuated yes, somehow yes yeah, yeah. He, he points out that even terence dicks forgot to uh fix that 
Yep. Which he would sometimes do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of, for the most part, I think all I really had to... That was the end of my notes, at least. If uh, yeah. Do you have anything else about about the book that you... Uh, not really. I, I mean... And... and Keep in mind, anyone listening, that it's it's a very um, informative read. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there. We kind of brushed over the, yeah. <laughs> you know, with broad strokes. Right. And, um, yeah. I mean, it's not a very long book, so. It's not, uh, no, but, yeah, yeah. So don't want to, you know, it's not going to be like two or three hundred pages of a history lesson, so. No, it's, no, no. It's it's fairly brief, yeah. as, as most of these, these books are. Um, it runs, and this is not including the bibliography, it runs like 165 pages, so it's not, yeah, it's, it's not prohibitive in that way, like, it's, you'll get, you know, you can get through it. Right. yeah, I guess it. Fairly quickly. Seems kind of shorter but... in the, on the Kindle. <laughs> I guess since it yeah. has different page formatting, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, some of the interest I didn't uh, know that uh, Robert Holmes had possibly been in some sort of British special forces in Burma. So <laughs> was it Burma? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's somewhere in the beginning that he mentions that. So oh, that's right. Yeah, Burma. I, I I think I said Korea. Anyway, yeah. I I knew he he had served um, in the military in the British military at some early in his life so yeah. uh, and, and i think i think kilburn's correct in the fact that i think that does inform a lot of his, right. his experiences does do inform a lot of his writing right? yeah yeah so. he points out the interesting comparison of like how links treats the scientists and how the japanese would often treat their prisoners of war just working them to right. exhaustion yeah. and not uh, taking care of their food and water needs and all that stuff so yeah yeah Lynx has to be has to be uh has to arm twisted pretty hard by the doctor to to like give them a break and rest them and you know be convinced that they can actually work better if you would feed them some food and let them get some rest <laughs> but yeah yeah overall i i enjoyed the book i i think it, it's it's a very um very readable but very informative um book about yeah nice. kind of about the time warrior i guess it's my biggest gripe is it, it it kind of it doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the show itself it's talking about drafts of the script it's talking about robert holmes um and i think that was i guess similar a little in, in a different way it was a very different book but i guess that was similar with the 11th hour book as well it was more about you know Stephen moffat coming in and the new era and all that yeah, stuff so yeah. I guess it depends um, upon what elements you find more interesting, and I guess that these yeah. books have different different approaches on by different writers keeps things interesting. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's actually um, I think that's a perk, uh, and these are the only two that I've read so right. far. But I think I do think that's a perk. Like if you if everyone was in this, you know the same tone, it might as well all be by the same author. Bringing in a group of writers, you know, the way they do in a lot of books or right. a lot of series like this um gives you that variety like you can have something that's you know very different and i think feel like the two black archive books that we've read so far are very different from one another they're very unique to that to those writers yeah. so. but both enjoyable to read so yeah. there's that 
Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> um Yeah, I guess let's uh let's go ahead and give this one a grade out of uh out of five Santaran warriors. What are, what do you think uh, uh you would give to uh this black archive book, number twenty four? I don't know. I might go between three point five and four. Um so maybe more towards the four than the three point five. So it's just a little yeah. little dry. So that's a, Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that assessment and I, I I put down a three point five and I and and I feel like that is fair because I where I did enjoy it quite a bit and I found it very interesting. I do feel like some of his um, some of his connections are a bit tangential, like the you know stringing everything like way back to eighteenth uh, century literature right. and stuff. Is <laughs> like sure there you you can follow the trend forward and and you know land at Doctor Who, but I don't know if that you know if there's really straight lines connecting the two. Right. Um, the unique lines connecting the two, let's say, because. Obviously, everything there's a progression, right? But, yeah, um, yeah, and and yeah, I agree that the his his prose can be a bit academic. Right. I don't even. I, I wouldn't even like to say it's dry because if this was a textbook, he's a good writer. Yeah. He's compelling and he makes good arguments. Yeah, and yeah. that's fair. Um, that's fair. But yes. yeah, it's it's a bit academic. I. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to seem uh, as if and, I'm running him down because I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, no, and and, and I did enjoy the book. Like overall, yeah. it, I I do not regret yeah. reading it. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those which I think if I had just been reading it for its own sake, I might have enjoyed it a little more rather than reading it also with the plan of discussing it and. <laughs> right. Sort of like the difference between yeah, when you're reading something as an assignment and you have to do stuff for it as opposed to just you know reading it. Well, it's something that's very academic written by somebody with a with a background and well researched and he you know certainly knows where he's coming from and then I'm going to analyze it. I get a little nervous about yeah. that like but but at the same time, you know, the books meant books are meant to be read by yes. people and you know so um, yeah, and yeah, so uh if you're interested in the Black Archive series, I I you know, given Given the three point five, I'd still recommend this one, especially yeah. if you're a big fan of the Time Warrior like I am. It's it's a interesting read. Yes, um, gives you some a lot of insight to what it's all about. Hey there, this is Eric coming to you from the future. Just letting you know that our discussion coming up in a few moments about the Doctor Who magazine comic strip Liberation of the Daleks does contain spoilers. So if you're waiting until the end of that. Uh, comic strip series to start reading um, please consider skipping over this and coming back to it later I hope you'll come back and join us when you have read it so anyway just letting you know that it does contain some spoilers for the uh, first four installments of the liberation of the Daleks we also have a kind of a little bonus review and uh, let me give you a quick little rundown on why we're doing this this way but uh, when we spun the randomizer a few weeks back, we actually spun up a story that is currently happening, and that is uh, the 14th Doctor story, the first 14th Doctor story, by the way, um, that is currently taking place in the comic strip in Doctor Who magazine. So I think uh, they're up to number 9 or 10 now, but... Um, since we couldn't read the whole thing and, and do a whole show on it, we decided that we would break up the comic strips into like 
you know three chunks and cover it over the next three shows and by the time we get done they'll it'll be all the way it'll be all the way uh done and we'll probably by the, by that time we'll be watching new doctor who so uh <laughs> we'll see how many we can get done this summer but <laughs> um but yeah so we we uh read the first four installments of the liberation of the daleks and this is of course, the first adventure of David Tennant's 14th Doctor, following directly from where we left the Doctor at the end of Power of the Doctor. Um, and he, as they often did in uh, his era, is whisked directly off into an adventure. You know, um, moment Moments after we leave him, the TARDIS starts sounding an alarm, and he's off on, on his way. So... Uh, no time to collect himself. No time to ponder the mystery of why he, you know, recognizes his teeth. I think was the line. So, <laughs> you know, why why he looks the same. Um, also, we have, as you may have guessed by the title, uh, the first appearance of the the Daleks in a comic strip in many years. I don't remember what the uh, number was, but um, they have not been in the comic strip in quite a while. Um. The and yeah, so we we, we kind of dive right into a mystery surrounding the 1966 World Cup and uh, well, actually, eight... <laughs> they they did have a article which I hadn't read. I haven't read the whole article yet. Following the comic strip, the first part, and it says uh, the Doctor's deadliest enemy is returning to the Doctor Who magazine comic strip for the first time in 20 years. 20 years okay yeah. yeah i knew it'd been a while yeah. um although they've appeared in like the other companies doctor who comics of course idw comics and all that but yeah not in IDW doctor who magazine and, uh... <laughs> yeah and i didn't realize that because i've read a lot of doctor who comics and yeah since i've probably seen them in the idw comics and in the uh oh gosh who's the company that publishes them now but um anyway yeah, I've seen seen them so many times. The uh... <laughs> and Boom, I think Boom. Yeah, I think Boom is publishing them now. Oh no, Titan, okay. Titan, Titan Comics. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. I knew I'd recognize it if I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so first appearance by the Daleks in twenty years, and we we find the Doctor and uh, the TARDIS has drug him to the nineteen sixty six World Cup, which if I knew anything about sports might mean something to me, but I don't. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, but he finds an, a, a family of alien tourists who are kind of um, not so well disguised. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and soon enough the Daleks show up and uh, do what they do find best. Out, yeah, do what they do best and start exterminating. <laughs> um but leads us to find out that the new doctor, for some reason, has uh, is impervious to Dalek Dalek weapons. They cannot hurt him. So our alien tourist family also, while this Dalek invasion is going on of Earth, are kind of going around and seeing the sights, snapping pictures, posting them on whatever social media channel that they, <laughs> whatever they have. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of walking through the plot, but by the time we get through these first four chapters, we've had, we still don't know a whole, I feel like I still don't know a whole lot of what's going on. It's been really like really fast paced, lots of stuff, you know, 
big, exciting, but uh, we haven't gotten a whole lot of the story yet. We right. at, we we end at a you know the. I don't know if we're on Scarrow or something, but we're in some kind of a Dalek. Yeah. And it looks like it's some like basically a theme park. Destination theme park. Yeah. yeah something like, yeah. Dalek resort. <laughs> uh, where the, where you can go and witness all of the like conquests of the Daleks, essentially. Um, Those are amusing because they've got, uh, they've got one that is a reference to another Doctor Who magazine. Uh, some of them, of course, are straight on from TV show references. Mm -hmm. There's one, at least one, that's from Doctor Who magazine, and there's one that's a reference to the Daleks comic strip from the 60s. <laughs> so... Oh, okay, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see. I saw Vulcan, the Vulcan Factory Zone, yeah. Scarrow Civil War Zone, yeah, so Jungle's Aspired on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they're... Uh, the Death Wheel. Yeah, that, that was... Uh, Nemesis of the so Daleks the, uh, from the okay, Doctor Who magazine, yep. and yeah, then the duel with Zeg is from the <laughs> comic, the 1960s okay. comic. Oh God, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, In all the best ways. <laughs> sometimes um, I depress myself. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So uh, everyone's an expert in something, right? <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it, and I guess the other thing is, um, the, he's rescued, he's quote unquote rescued from the Daleks by a group of, um, anthropomorphic apes. I should just say apes that are, they're not really, they're, they're apes, but are able to speak, nice. um, named Claire and Claudine, who is, uh, who are working with a woman named Georgette, who... Also was in a few frames of an earlier, like earlier in the comic. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I'm sure we're we're gonna get a lot of details. I feel like I was a little scattered on this whole thing. I mean, the comic trip's it's brief, so it has it's always right. You know, it's always a little bit like that. But I feel like we were kind of a lot of details were thrown at us that will later make a lot more sense as the story starts to come together. I feel like even four chapters in we are still just kind of setting up what is going on right. here. So well, as much as I liked the approach we're taking of doing this in, in chunks, I, I don't feel like we have a lot <laughs> to talk about because yeah. I'm not not exactly sure what's going on right. yet. So. Well, yeah, certainly the characterization of the 14th Doctor is pretty much the 10th Doctor, and I guess you don't have much choice since you don't really know what he's going to be like. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So we'll see if there's be on TV if there's any market differences in the character of the Doctor. Yeah, being that Russell Davies has been closely attached to even this aspect of the project, I'm guessing that that's true. That's that's true. And I guess I, even the clips that we've seen of Fourteenth uh, Doctor, he, it's yeah, it doesn't seem like character-wise is that different from the Tenth. And maybe that'll be part of the whole mystery that they're yeah. solving. <laughs> uh, Russell Russell Davies has been adamant that you know he is the fourteenth. He's not just a redo of of the tenth. He's a distinct doctor, and so far from the evidence here and from the little bit we've seen of him in the show, it kind of just seems like the tenth doctor. <laughs> that that's fine. I mean, I'm okay with that. It just yeah, I don't I don't see the distinction yet. I'm sure it'll all make sense. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm still wondering, like, I mean, 
personally, and I'm, is that I, it's based on what we saw in the power of the doctor, where they do that whole regression from of the from the master doctor master back into the doctor. I mean, the logical thing to me would seem to be that it's related to that whole process. Um, and so. <laughs> We'll see, I guess. That's what I thought until <laughs> until it was, you know, he literally came out and, and said, no, it's not that. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. okay. Well, I don't get it then. Like, okay. what's going on? <laughs> I must have missed, so, uh, yeah. I I missed that I'll then. Have I'll have to go back and see what yeah, cause he, Russell has said. He said <laughs> he has a distinct, he's not, he. I forget the word he used, but he's not like a regression. He's a, a doctor. He is the 14th doctor. He's not just the 10th doctor part two or whatever so oh well we'll see what that means yes. i'm sure that means something because he's got a grand plan like right um yeah so what i didn't mention at the top of this is uh that alan barnes uh, is the writer that is the writer for this uh comic strip and he's obviously written many 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 right uh doctor who magazine uh comic strips i, I know he was the active writer through a lot of the eighth doctor comic strip era and wrote a lot of the stuff that i really like and um has written some great stuff for big finish as well and um yeah the artwork is by lee but, sullivan uh, who's also a veteran uh, doctor who artist mm-hmm. yep so it's good so uh, yeah, it's so far so good. Yeah. Like I'm I was amused with it. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't feel like I feel like we'll have more to talk about <laughs> next time. And probably um, we'll have to do like a complete so. run through when it's all over. Uh Yeah, we'll do like a recap and then actually do a review cuz I I don't think it's fair to like give this thing any kind of a grade right. yet. But we'll just do it little bits at yeah. a time. So I mean, I and well, um, other things I enjoyed were like some of the next issue ones where they did plays on uh because, like, the first story ends with next issue, Daleks Invasion Earth, 1966 AD. <laughs> and the third yep. part ends with uh, Earth Shock. Not Earth Shock, but Earth Shock. <laughs> Earth Shock, yeah. Which I'm surprised, actually, that they didn't they, Yeah, because it, it ends on, a, like, a... <laughs> yeah, it ends on a big frame of the Earth exploding. Yeah. You know, the Daleks blew up the Earth, yeah. which the Doctor's convinced is not real. Right. Um, so. yeah, I meant... Like I said, I'm kind of surprised that they don't actually keep that as a trend for all of them because some of them they do, like make plays on classic Doctor Who titles, and some of them they don't. Yeah. So it's well, and especially with that whole like final image in the fourth story with the the Dalek dome, right? With all of the <laughs> the references in there. Um, so. But yeah, no, no, uh, no next issue. Oh, there's a next issue thing, but it it's not related to at least not that i'm aware of related to any right, yeah. other titles or doctor who history yeah. so although let me say now that they've introduced that there's a theme park concept now i think we're just waiting for it to go all westworld or jurassic park <laughs> since where else can this story go <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's really nowhere else the story can the, go <laughs> the theme park daleks are going to become real daleks in some way yeah. yeah because they already had one scene of the Dalek Supreme instructing his scientists to investigate what's going on. So, uh, well, I mean, of course, I'm happy to be surprised, but at the moment, I'll be surprised if it goes in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually surprised so, I still go to theme parks at all because 
they never end up end well in fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, some of the writing in here is snappy. It's 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 fun. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. been good so sure. far. I, I feel like I don't have much to say about it yet, but I yeah, I I feel like we've just barely scraped the surface. Yeah. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I liked the. the the doctor's diana ross joke where he's trying to make a dab ross die ross like and he keeps trying and nobody understands his joke and (laughs) yeah it was a a very doctor doctor moment so and i could see yeah i can see david tennant can't call him the 10th doctor but yeah i can see the this doctor doing the doing that bit so it was fun yeah Yeah, I guess that's all I got for now. We'll we'll look at uh, chapters five through nine next time. So right. it will be. Will we? Will that be done? Yeah, it'll. You said yeah, and then we may have to take a break for. <laughs> if we keep our recordings on schedule, we may have to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we get there. Um, yeah, and we may not. We may have to skip one. We'll see. Right. Once, by the time it gets all the way out, we'll... I'm sure people we'll will be devastated. About... <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, good. I guess that leaves only one matter of business, and that's we have to hit the big button on the machine we call the randomizer and see what it is we are doing next time. Next time on the podcast, we are going to be reviewing the... Doctor Who, the Sixth Doctor and Perry Volume 1 box set from Big Finish. So, audio stories from Big Finish. Um, and we'll be looking at Liberation of the Daleks 5 through 9. So, <laughs> so yeah. Sounds uh, fun. Yeah, anybody wants to... Fo- if anyone's following along, go and uh, check out that Big Finish box set. We know you all want to... Everybody wants to go find a new Big Finish <laughs> box set to listen to. So Yes. I actually hadn't in a while, and I just dove into listening to this one, and uh, I've been enjoying it. So, and, uh, not to tip my hand on that one, but <laughs> so, but well, cool. I uh, of course we'd like to hear if anybody, uh, any of our listeners, have any uh, thoughts about the book we reviewed, or really anything we review or talk about on the podcast. Drop us a line. We uh, are on our official Facebook page or at. Uh, police box pod on twitter uh, you can drop us a good old-fashioned email at policeboxpodcast at gmail.com if you wish uh, we'd love to hear from you um, any feedback is uh, is great and uh, yeah let us know what you think of the show or if there's anything uh, you'd like to see or hear on the show as well so um, yeah that's all i got i'm besides saying thanks to you Asad, for joining me again yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me on as always it's always a good time yeah it's always a pleasure so uh this of course is the end and what the moment has been prepared for <laughs> and uh <laughs> i will hope everybody will come back and join us again here on the police box in the junkyard podcast and with that i will sign off um this is eric o'branson down and safe this is Asad Hishki. have a good evening take care all Thank you for listening to the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. A proud member of Direction Point, a Doctor Who podcast network. Join Eric, Asad, and Matthew next time for another random review from the worlds of Doctor Who. Everything ends. 
as always sad. Send your feedback to policeboxpodcast at gmail.com and remember if you take the time to write it we'll take the time to read it. Until next time. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. It's the end that the moment has been prepared for. The Doctor Who theme was composed by Ron Grainer and arranged as Doctor Who retro theme by Neon Frontier. All rights to Doctor Who and its related materials belong to the BBC. Some of there's danger. Some of there's injustice. Somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Ace. We've got work to do. A Doctor Who Podcast Network. They all say who is Doctor Who? Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With a popular feature like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, there's a lot of fun to be had. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit. And every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including... Dalton Hughes. And... Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Police Box in a Junkyard podcast on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Police Box in a Junkyard. <laughs>